In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a shock. Paul Brown is back to back on his own podcast. This hasn't happened since the 2018 season, but we're back. It is internal O-line. Jack, are you excited about this? Yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting, but sad at the same time. This is it. This is the end of the offensive um, deep dive series. So, um, yeah, end, end of an era, guys. End of an era. I think we saved the easiest for last, though, because if there's one room where the two starters are pretty pretty much set in stone and there's a lot of development of guys out there, it's the good old interior offensive line. So the really the biggest question for us now is going to be in the middle. But, you know, let's uh, let's start off. Let's kick it off here in the, the vaunted. We have the Guardians over there at Jacobs Field or Progressive, whatever you want to call it. But in Cleveland, we also at First Energy Stadium have a couple guardians ourselves. So, Jack, let's get let's get a little rundown on the guard position. Browns obviously have two guys that are known pretty well across the fan base. So let's start with them. Yeah, I'm gonna lump them in because they basically both signed the same contract extension two, three, four days apart from each other. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about them as a whole because it's all structured the same way. Um, so. They're now both locked it up. They've got two two years each um, is what they're committed to, both sides. And then the Browns hold options for each of the two years left after that, um, which is a really smart thing because you've got Joel Batonio, whose age, health, body could all be a factor. We're talking three seasons down the road. Um, going into that year, they might be like, oh, we can't do this. Um, his body's broken down. And the other one is with Teller. We've seen a very... A very, 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 very small sample from Teller. Um, when you start looking at players that usually get paid big money um, at that point in their career, you've generally seen a lot more games. Um, we've seen a small, very elite sample size. So having an out after two years is a really, really smart option um, because who knows? Um, it could, could go great. It might be slowed down. And their deals are going to look really, really cheap when the Colts have to bring the Brink trucks to pay Quinn and Nelson. Yeah. And ironically enough, when we're talking about guards, um, we talked about how their contracts are eerily similar. So if you remember right from our offensive tackle show, we talked about kind of where the different positions ranked on the Super Bowl teams. Uh, Paul, if you were to guess where Joel Batonio finished in the PFF overall offensive rankings for his blocking out of a lot of guards, I don't even want to do the number count. Where was Joel Batonio's rank? I'm just going to put it out there. Number one, Ding! Joel Batonio with a minimum of 50% of blocking snaps was the number one rated guard in the NFL. Now this one's a little bit tougher, Paul. You don't want you to think too far down the fingers here. Where did Wyatt Teller finish? I'm going to go absolute rock and roll and go second. Oh, close. Number four. Oh. He was four. Zach Martin. 
obviously the perennial all pro guard out of Dallas uh, finished at second Shaq Mason at third. So Wyatt Teller, number four, Joel Batonio, number one. So that pretty much tells you everything you need to know about the guard position. You got two of the top five guards on the same team in the league. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. And no, we're in a really, really good position um, there. Those guys are locked in. Um, so the, the Browns can see what they want to do two years down the line, but lock that down. Um, we're all sorted there. So I, I guess the next question is jump in the middle. They've got two dudes to choose between. You've got a guy that has been great. Um, I don't think we've really seen an elite season out of him, but I don't think we've ever seen just an above average season. He's squarely in that gap of um, just does a really, really, really good job every year. And that is um, Tretter. Um, who everyone's got to be happy with this production, um, set to make 8.25 million this year um, in base roster bonus per game, um, other stuff. Um, so that that's sort of the option around him. Um, but he's in the final year of his di- last year, so he's not one that's likely to be around post this season versus a young chap that we all got to see on Christmas Day. We got to spend Christmas Day with uh, none other than Nick Harris. Yeah, and Treader's a little bit on the opposite end. We were talking about the ages of the tackles. So Treader, obviously born, uh, he's thir- he's thirty now. So he was born uh, nineteen ninety one, which is just kind of crazy to say. But uh, this is a guy who will be turning thirty one shortly. So his career obviously is on the, you know, we'll say it on the other side. Uh, this is a guy that debuted two thousand and fourteen, joined the Browns in two thousand and seventeen, and it's just been an Iron Man. I mean, he really has playing over a thousand snaps every single season with the Browns. And to Jack's point, you know, just consistent grades: seventy six point nine, seventy two, eighty one, seventy eight point seven. This is a guy last year that gave up one sack, one hit, eight hurries. So he's a guy who's kind of the, your old reliable, right? And Nick Harris is kind of the guy that you want to learn from all reliable. It comes down to roster questions in terms of the money. Obviously the cap is going up, but do you want to borrow from Peter to pay Paul in terms of, and I don't mean that literally to you, Mr. Paul, we're not unfortunately going to pay you for this podcast, even though it is your second in a row, uh, financial compensations come after the fifth in a row. So you're 40% of the way there, but it comes down to it is the Browns and Bill Callahan can look at it and say, if Nick Harris is ready, because what you don't want to go is from the number five rated center in the league to the number 35 rated center in the league. And yes, there's 32 teams, but I'm just counting some extra ones in there as well. But that's what you don't want. You don't want to create another hole because as we know, pressure from the outside can get to Baker pressure up the middle, may be worse. It's the one thing that's always affected Tom Brady in his career. It's the one thing that the 49ers did to Aaron Rodgers a couple of weeks ago. That's the one thing that does not allow a quarterback. We talk about Baker's footwork and stuff. Well, if he can't step up into that pocket because the center is getting bulldozed, then we got other problems. So that's the decision they're going to have to make is, is Nick Harris ready to step in? Because if they play Treader one more year, this is Harris's third year. So he'd be going into the final year of his contract, basically with no more than what? Two starts in a season under his belt. Yeah, it's for me, it's very similar to the sort of Sheldon Richardson discussion of, you know that Sheldon Richardson, JC Treader is better than what's behind them. Because no one's really going to argue that Nick Harris is a better player than um, Treader. Who knows? He, he might develop in the line to equal, might, it might develop even better. Who knows? 
but you're not going to get that this season. And you're asking the question of what can we do with that 8.25 million? Well, actually, let's knock, knock a million off it because effectively that's going to go to your backup guard replacement. But are you able to go and spend that money and get, hey, a starting defensive tackle? Are you going to move that money into the wide receiver room? Are you going to move money elsewhere? And that sort of, hey, we've chatted, chatted loads, and I always use scenario. Can you get 90% of production from this player on a rookie deal? Um, and if you feel like you can get 90% and you're going to move from, I don't know, I think I missed the number, so was it, say, eighth best um, centre down to 16th, you, you do that all day long. Um, if that's the decision that you make, that you can go from eighth to 16th, I'm really happy making that change. The, yeah, the question is, is do you want to open up the hole to let water leak? Because once you make that decision and you put Harris in there, if all of a sudden the bullets start flying and instead of, we'll say 16th, all of a sudden, maybe you start getting what, you know, I don't know if you watch many of those Steelers games towards the end, but Kendrick Green, the rookie for the Steelers, they put him in there. He was no more ready than the man on the moon, and it just it went to hell in a handbasket. You got bad snaps. I mean, you take you take for granted sometimes the center's ability to just snap a ball. Just ask Matt Stafford in the playoffs what happens when a ball goes launching past you. So, um, Paul, I know that you have some inside information, so to say, not really, uh, regarding J.C. Treader and maybe some family members, and I know you've communicated a little bit. So anything you need to share there on that one? Yeah, some breaking news. JC Tratter will be playing somewhere next year. Hopefully, and most likely the Browns. There you Joe go. Tratter. Straight from straight from a Tretter's mouth. Not JC. Begins with a J. But I think that just goes to say show you that the Browns, I don't, I just I know you were talking about Sheldon Richardson, Jack. I just think that when you look at the drop-off between Richardson and who's next, and Tretter and who's next. It's larger, and I think if we're being honest, center is a more important position than D tackle. And what is the market like? Can I go out and get you know obviously pre arrest, but Malik McDowell, right? So what was the real difference between Sheldon Richardson and say Malik McDowell or Damian Squares, who by the way is going to the Super Bowl? Um, it's just one of those things where if your wins above replacement, to use a baseball analogy, stat is a lot higher then that's one thing that you can make that move of 90%. But like I said, if all of a sudden you bump JC Treader out and you're thinking, oh, we're going to be able to survive. And then all of a sudden I'm getting Kendrick Green performance where my hurries go from eight to 18 and my penalties go from five to nine. And now I've just created a, a gaping hole in the middle of my offensive line. I just paid all this money to, to guards and I'm getting blown right up the middle of them with the center. So the question is, is, what is J.C. Treader worth in the open market versus what is he worth, you know, in terms of moving on? So that's the that's the that is the question, and you should we should know that one pretty soon because I think Treader has his guaranteed is what early in the league year, right? Um, I don't know if he's got anything in his contract that forces a decision. Um, I'll open that. So if we had to guess now, who are we predicting? Is for the Browns, obviously, push injuries and everything aside. Um, if one of these players managed to get injured in the next two months, then the other guy, dude, definitely has it. I'm going to say I think Nick Harris will be the centre. Paul? Tretter all the way. I'm the tie-breaking vote. Sorry, Jack. 
I think JC's back. I think the Browns would be a little bit foolish to get rid of him or to let him walk. I just think for, you know, the $9 million or whatever his is what 8. seven, 2. nine, 8.25. Well, that's his cap savings, but I think his uh, salary is like 9 million bucks or something like that. It's, sorry, I just, it's, I, it's not enough money for me to, if it's 19. Okay. Like, you know, was it the Raiders had that issue with, uh, was it Rodney Hudson? Was that, was he the cap casualty center that I'm thinking of? And yeah, he ended up in Arizona, right? Yeah, he signed that big deal with Oakland, and then it just kind of didn't work out, and then he ended up in Arizona. So I just think that's one of those ones. I'm good leaving Treader alone. I just yeah, there's nothing in his contract forcing decision. He's got a hundred grand workout bonus, but that's not even going to make him blush. Um, yeah. Could they trade him? I don't know what the market is like for centers this year, but it'd be pretty crappy to trade him for a. Listen, if a team wants to call, call, see what you offer, I guess. I mean, I would never say no. I mean, obviously, every player on the roster is pretty much available for the right price. So, but now we're talking about the backups because realistically, this is where it's going to matter because on our normal roster, we're talking about what nine O linemen, four on the outside, five in the interior. So, if three are starters, that means you generally will have two backups. So, over the course of time, we've seen Michael Dunn. We've seen Blake Hans in there. Uh, Drew Forbes, the guy that we've never seen really ever, is it is still on there. Uh, the Browns have invested a decent amount of, you know, practice squad spots to guards. I know there's our boy, you know, Hijalti Froholt. Um, I know he's out there. David Moore is the guy they brought in, the rookie out of Grambling State. So, I mean, they've got two young guys. They've got two other guys. I would say of that group, what Dunn's probably the leader of the pack in terms of skill and and uh he's still a young guy i mean dunn's only his second year out of maryland so 27 years old so dunn for me is the comfortable favorite um he's by far performed the best when he's asked to come in um and as well all the reports are he can play center as well so um if you're going to lock up a player who is interior line number four um i think dunn has all three spots locked down as the favorite there. Obviously, if you're bringing a Hubbard, then you can have that discussion there. And it was interesting, actually. So you generally see nine players on the O-line. If we go back two years, it was nine that they carried in the room. It was actually 10 last year, which was a slight change from difference. Obviously, you're talking about with that 10th, if you're having a QB3, is that coming from the the tight end room, the O-line room, um, different places? And it could have been the case that, hey, Carlson's healthy and then they only carry nine on the O-line um, but yeah for me Dunn is the one I feel really confident about I'm putting Dunn on the roster and saying that's happening then I think when you get into that fifth interior alignment loads of different directions obviously if Tretter does stay Nick Harris has got that locked up and I, I think that's your two done and dusted yeah, I think leaving the backup center, I mean, at this point, we can speculate a lot of things, but I'm not going to, we're not going to waste a lot of valuable airtime here speculating on random centers. Like at the, obviously, right now, the Browns have JC Treader and Nick Harris. If that changes, we can talk about it, but those are the two guys. They liked Harris as a little bit, maybe flexibility to play guard. It didn't go all that great. Um, so the, the question then becomes is the three guys, Dunn, Forbes, and Hans, likely two of those guys. Now, obviously, Froholt and Moore are the two other guys they brought in. So, 
I can't see the Browns again. We talked a little bit on the O tackle show. Can you see them really utilizing any draft capital on guards? I maybe a, a day three late guy that they like that they can stash on the practice squad. But at this point, I can't see anywhere in that top 120, 130, 140 picks being used anywhere on a guard. It, it for me, it's only going to be the case that if they move Tretter on, Harris steps up. And they then they see someone sort of rounds five to seven that they go, we like this dude. What we're going to do, Dunn then covers the centre and guard and they bring someone else in. So unless unless Tretter is off the team, yeah, I'd write off draft pick on the entire O-line. I just, I, I think if they had a free agent and Tretter stays, we can pretty much write in pen post-free agency, the O-line and where everyone's at. Yeah, and if they bring back Hubbard, you may have even less spots. <laughs> you may have Hubbard it all. Is the in. Free agent, yeah, yeah. So he's the free agent. He bring him back. You're set across the board. But yeah, it's 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 one of those ones where continuity is important. You like where you're at. Um, and at this point, obviously, we joked a little bit before about the uh, the 2026 text between Quessy and Andrew Barry. Uh, by by the way, congrats to Quessy uh, Adolfo Mensa now for taking the GM spot there in Minnesota. Just fantastic. Um, you always like to see the smartest guys in the room, especially guys come from the financial sector into the NFL uh, to make their way. Who knows if you need a guy named Ian to do so, I'm always available. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where the Browns are going to start planning for 2025, 2024, 25, 26. Whenever those guard contracts are start expiring, you're going to see next year in the draft, they're going to start scouting the guys that they can bring in the late day, three guys that they can stick in and develop. So you have your next Wyatt Teller, your next Joel Batonio, years in advance so if they do take somebody in the late rounds just sixth or seventh please do not demand they play just stick them and forget about them they're like stocks just buy them and put them away and forget about them for a while and just let callahan do his thing real quick on callahan i know it's been talked a lot a little bit and being here in chicago uh, Bill Callahan, I don't think there's any truth whatsoever to the rumor of him coming to the Bears. I think this is how this happened. Somebody on Twitter that runs a Bears blog said, our O-line is shit. Who's a really good O-line coach? Um, well, Darte Skarnecki is retired. Bill Callahan's really cool. The Bears have never, they haven't run a zone blocking scheme here. I don't even know if uh, uh, what their new coach, Matt Eberflus, if he's going to run the zone blocking scheme. So it's almost impossible to try to make an idea of who his O-line coach is. So then also for him to be an O-line coach in Cleveland, he had to get a promotion, which means offensive coordinator, which means Luke Getze. I can go ahead and put that in the one. I, I think it's a long shot, one in a million, that uh, Bill Callahan is heading out here to Chicago or, or leaving the Browns. I think he's just too important to Stefanski and that coaching staff. And I think I wouldn't be shocked if he's here as long as Stefanski's here. Uh, for me, the way reading it, it felt more like he potentially reached out because a lot of these coaches are friendly. That hey, if if I was going to hire an O line coach and I had any sort of relationship with Callahan, I'm calling Callahan and going, "Who would you recommend?" Because why would you not use that if if you were friends with Callahan? Because whether it's like O line masterminds with um, Duke Manning Field, Mayweather, Mayweather. Um, these guys talk to each other. You would reach out and you would go, hey, is there any guys you really like? Stuff like that. Um, obviously, if, if say, Hubbard's the only addition, we add Hubbard and everything else stays the way it is, it's going to shape up as a really, really interesting off-season next year because potentially you're talking about a decision at left tackle on whether you do a fifth-year option 
obviously still then got one year either way but if you decide not to activate the option you've only got one year left on your left tackle not a great position to be in guard fine both guards center potentially you're asking nick harris to then come in and start um his first ever season um as a starter and then right tackle you potentially got no one so don't be surprised when they do the deal for a tackle um whether it's hubbard whether it's another free agent there's actually a two-year clause in that it might have a roster bonus to kick out but they will not want to be going into next season with nothing on there if they don't feel confident about Hubbard's production because that could be a massive year of change where you're getting rid of your center and right tackle all in one season. All right, Paul, I have a trivia question for you. You're usually pretty good at these. So, all right, Paul. I'm ready. Who is the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals? What well, at the moment? Correct. Well, that's a good question. Super Bowl bound Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, I want to say Matthew Day, but that's the Ohio State guy. That's Ryan Day. So Zach Taylor is the head coach Zach of the Taylor. That's it. Zach Taylor. Who? No, I was just saying Zach Taylor played college football at Nebraska. He was a quarterback. Who was his head coach? In college, I'll give you a hint. He's on the Browns coaching staff. Zach Taylor's head coach at Nebraska, Browns coach. Who is it? The Alex guy. Who have we just been talking about? Totally, it's going to be Callahan. Bill Callahan. So Bill Callahan was the head coach at Nebraska while Zach Taylor was the uh, so there's quite the relationships that our Jack was mentioning about relationships and people knowing anything. So if you ever notice Callahan linked to the Bengals, you know why? Because Zach Taylor was his quarterback at Nebraska. Take that one to the English pub; it'll earn you a Guinness. It, it's a, a weird relationship that there's so many crossovers, and it, it, it's amazing that the interactions and people on Twitter that suddenly one person's linked to a job, whether it's a head coach or a GM. And you get this whole chart of like, this could be this, this could be this, this could be this. And lots of time it ends up as correct because, hey, if, you, if you're taking a job, you want some relationship with someone you're hiring. You don't want this complete. You don't know anyone. Obviously, you don't want just jobs for the boys, but you want to have confidence in the people. So it's fascinating. But I think it will shape up as a, if it is – Conklin and Tretter back a really interesting off season for the Browns next year because that is going to be some change and there'll be quite a bit of pain um, and who knows it, it we could be say in a year's time talking about um, Hubbard's the favourite start right tackle which I, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world I, I couldn't say I'm that excited about but if you're sat in there and Baker breaks out then it might be first round right tackle again next year Um it could easily be the case. So uh, lot, lots of moving pieces over the next couple of years, other than the two guards. That's, that's where you feel confident. There it is. That's the breakdown of the five guys in the front, the men that are going to lead Baker Mayfield uh, to the line of scrimmage. So 
Paul, you got anything you want to add? I, we, I know Jack and I both greatly appreciate your presence on a back-to-back podcast show. I know that you're frequently asked and people want to check in on your doing. So you're out moving and shaking. You're riding e-bikes all through England. I mean, you're just a busy man. So give us an update on the life of Paul Brown and what's going on and fill everybody in for all the listeners. I met this girl in a bar in London. Every one of these stories always starts and ends fantastic. So everybody stop what you're doing. Focus. Listen to the end of the story. This stuff you can't buy. Don't get this one. RBR, OBR, whatever it's called. Four pound a month. Um, so basically, um, I met this girl. She used to date Stefanski's brother. Ooh, saucy. And Stefanski's wife. Yeah, and basically, he was telling me, she was telling me that the whole family is a massive sporting family. Like, everything that they do, they're very, very good at sports. Well, the dad is a GM uh, for the Pistons in the NBA, and the uh, I believe Stefanski was a DB at Penn and did pretty well in terms of his, you know, he wasn't obviously a... Uh, which McCall wasn't like an NFL player or anything like that. But yeah, his dad, Ed, I think is in the, uh, is in the NBA as an executive. And then I think Stefanski has connections with all those Philly guys. I know in terms of a lot of guys, they played all high school football together. So this is a guy that I think they have athlete blood flowing through them. And, you know, I think you get lost a little bit in terms of that cool, calm demeanor. But outside of that, uh, I think he's a, he's a pretty competitive guy. And you can see those in some of his fire speeches. So it is not shocking whatsoever that uh, his brother was also competitive. It looks like he has a couple brothers. He's got three brothers, Eddie, Matt, and David. So one of those used to date the friend of Paul Brown. She's in London. And yeah, if you've, anyone's got any questions that they want me to ask her, I'll, I'll feel free to, I will, and then uh, get some, uh, get on the show for next week. Perfect. All right, Jack, anything you want to add before we hit the road for the week? Big make weekend sure you, coming up. Make sure you come back. Um, big one next week. We start with the edge room, um, which we, we know Ian is keen to throw some assets at. You're damn right he is. Damn right I am. So, all right. Well, I'll start it off then, boys. Enjoy your weekends and go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.